Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Have we had a feast over the last four or six weeks? You know, actually I've put them all up for since Pastor Patsy preached. And we'll get that up on the screen in a second. He says, so I'll go through it. I did write it down here as well. I was trying to cheat, but it didn't work. Church on Fire from Parts of Patsy. Honour God more from Benny. The Apostle of Love from Cole Stringer. What is life for Pastor Nina? I really enjoyed that. She's my wife as well, so. (laughs) The Power of Peace. I hope I get some credit for that one. The Power of Peace by Pastor Kinsey. The Truth About Freedom. Again by Pastor Nina. Loved that one. And Pastor Andrew last week. Life after Pentecost. Wasn't that awesome? Yes. Really enjoyed that one. And this is why I was trying to cheat because he actually quoted a scripture last week. John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak from himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and shall show all things. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, says Jesus. Therefore I say that he, the Holy Spirit, shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. So just a bit of background of who I am. Actually, before I do that, Nina talked about uncertain terms and how everything is changing so fast. Schools have changed, learning has changed, TV movies have changed. Speaking of which, she mentioned that she has to watch action movies. I thought I'd better clear that up. (laughs) Yes, she does watch action movies, but I have to pay a price as well. She likes Little Women, the black and white version. Pride and Prejudice, the original version, which I have watched. <laughs> Anne of Green Gables. You know, I thought there must be seven hours of that stuff. I remember being in Canada and I flew from Vancouver to, to um, Toronto. It's a five-hour trip. It's like Brisbane to, to Perth. And they put on Anne of Green Gables. It went for the whole, whole <laughs> trip. One movie. But there's many of them. I actually looked up how long they were. 16 hours. Who knows, if you give a little, you might be able to watch an action movie. Or the state of origin. Queenslander. I grew up in church. My mum used to play the piano at church. So that means I was at every service from a young age. I'd be sleeping. I'd be the one that was sleeping under the chairs. But she also played for the choir which meant the evening service. We'd be there an hour before and they'd be practicing for the choir for the evening service. And there's one song they sang which really made me want to have a bass voice. I dreamed of being able to speak down here. (laughs) Nobody told me about genetics. But the song was called, Now Let Us Have a Little Talk with Jesus. And now let us have a little talk with Jesus. I'm not, I'm going to leave it at that before you all walk out. But it's a wonderful song 
about having a little talk with Jesus makes it right. The words go, now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. And when you fear a little prayer will turning and you know a little fire is burning, you'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. And the scripture I just read was talking about the Holy Spirit revealing to us. And he talked about how it wouldn't be great if Jesus was down the road and I can go and have a talk with him. But Jesus can only be in one place at a time. The Holy Spirit is everywhere and in us. And at any time we can have that little talk with our Heavenly Father. And it makes it right. And today I'm going to use scripture to talk about a group of people that walked down a road and had a little talk with Jesus. And I'm going to take you on that journey. And I want you to put, put your mind back to the time when Jesus walked on this earth. And I want us also to have a Hebrew or a Jewish mindset as we listen to the scripture. Because we need to not just look at it from a air, you know, way up here and say, oh, how could they not? I want to get into their mindset. I want to get into what they were thinking this morning and understand the situation and how Jesus came along and talked with them. Luke 24, 13 to 35 in the ESV. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking, discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognising him. Interesting. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad, then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And he said to them concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Notice he called him a prophet. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But... We had hoped that he was the one, the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that, it was that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray you'll open up your word today. That we would get into the mindset of the characters here in this story. That we may understand how your Holy Spirit works in our lives. Father, speak to us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name. 
So when did this happen? The day of his resurrection. It's literally not long after the women came back and then Peter and John went running out. They've come back, reported it just as they were. So it's later that day, these two people, Cleopas and mentioned Simon eventually, which is his son, were walking from a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Seven miles, about 11 kilometres, about the distance from Brisbane to Garden City, to give you just an idea of distance. And Jesus came along and talked with him. And I'm going to just talk about some of the things that Jesus would have done, Jesus would have said. So that's probably 11 k's, it's about two and a half hours I've got here. Hope you're all set. No, I'm not really, I just... So, Cleopas, who was he? He was Joseph's brother. So, if you like, Jesus' uncle. So here's someone who had known Jesus all of his life. Simon was the cousin of Jesus. How has, we haven't heard too much about them before, have we? Well, in John 19.25, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, who is the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. Okay, so now we've got him, got his wife at least, at the foot of the cross. Okay, so they certainly saw him die. So what we've got here is close family members. Cleopas may have been watched from some distance at the crucifixion, as many did, except for John, who was right there. Cleopas and Mary would have observed the Passover and the Sabbath in Jerusalem, and now it was time, they had to get back to work. So here they were walking back on their journey back to um, where they lived and talking about all of these things. They were there when the Mary Magdalene came back in the room. They were there when Peter and John came back and reported what they said. They actually said in the scriptures that they believed it not and thought it was idle tales. It says that in verse 11 of that same chapter. So, here we are walking down the road. They're talking about what on earth just happened. he just come in in triumph on a donkey. And here we are, not that long afterwards. Jesus is dead. And they were talking amongst themselves. Because what did they think of who the Messiah was? He was a saviour. He was to save them from the Romans. The prophecy was for salvation. Liberate from your oppressors. Well, they certainly didn't think they could lose him in a matter of minutes. Or, oh, sorry, days, I should say. They were probably at the Last Supper, and I'll explain why later, where they broke bread and drank wine with Jesus. And he said, this is my, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. But they didn't get it. 
They would have known that Peter, as was described by Alan this morning, in the Garden of Gethsemane, told him to put his sword away. And in the scripture of Matthew 26, I'm going to go from 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he'll at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But then how should scriptures be fulfilled? That it must be so. And at the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would have known that scripture because we're Jewish people today. We're Hebrews. They chant that regularly, regularly at their festivals. The Feast of Purim where they celebrate Deborah's, um, what she did in front of the king to save the nation. They use that particular scripture and chant it. On the Day of Atonement, they say it as well. As part of understanding this Hebrew, I actually uh, listened to a, a Jewish lady give her testimony how she came to the Lord from the Old Testament. So I wanted to understand what their mindset was. But how about Cleopas himself? He would have known biblical history. He would have known the promise. He would have known even in Genesis, it said he will crush your head and you will strike his heels in Genesis 3.15. And in Hebrews where it says in Deuteronomy 18.15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. He would have been aware of the timing of Jesus through Daniel's prophecy that talks about the 77s are decreed for your people. That's 490 years. This happened around 450, 460 year, years after that prophecy. The timing was right. He would have known Jesus' bloodline, that he was descended from David, Solomon, to all the way through to Joseph. Because he shared that same bloodline. He was the brother of Joseph. And he would have known the prophecies about out of Judah. You would have known Jesus' birth and story that we know so well. It's easy to look from the distance, but we're now going as he. And Cleopas would have known about the virgin birth. I'm sure Joseph would have said, Whoa, my girlfriend's got a bub. And he would have known about the angel that appeared. And he would have seen the scripture in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will the child will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He would have known about the escape to Egypt and back. And how Hosea says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. This is Jesus' uncle. Although Jesus was called a Nazarene, he would have known that he was born in Bethlehem. And Micah 5, 2 that says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times, from that time forward, ever forward. And he also would have known, because... 
The Jewish nation were hoping for a Messiah. And Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. But see, somehow as he's missed it, he's thinking of a kingdom on earth. He's got this, this is where I see the Messiah happening. This is the view of what I think the Messiah should be. And he's missed the fact of what the Messiah was all about. Isaiah 61 that Jesus actually read from a scroll scroll in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus claimed this and said, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Cleopas would have had no doubt at some point, that this Jesus that I saw grow up is the Messiah. You would have seen the miracles. You would have heard of Peter's confession of Christ in Mark 7, 27. Peter answered him in verse 29, you are the Christ. You would have definitely heard about Jesus coming in on a donkey that was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. These are scriptures the Israelites knew. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, on a donkey, of a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. So he knew all this. And then Jesus died. He had all that power raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he's dead. In the scripture we just read, he started off calling him a prophet and then said, we thought he was the one. All of a sudden, there's doubt in his mind. What was Jesus' response? He came alongside and began to talk. It says, as we go into that scripture in Luke, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Foolish ones, I thought, that sounded a bit rough for Jesus. Let's just go back to the Greek and just see what it actually means. It actually means slow of heart. Heart, Slow of heart to believe, not understanding. You haven't quite got it, maybe unwise. But he patiently began to unfold the scriptures. This is the heart of God. The Father, this is the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to understand. He wants us to know his word. He wants to reveal his word. As it says, as I already read, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And what did he do? He went back to Moses and the prophets and started patiently to 
taking him through the scriptures. We've heard many times of types and patterns. Andy last week started a, a types, patterns, and shadows of things to come. And Andy talked about a shadow last week about the, the Ark of the Covenant, how the presence of God was part of that Ark of the Covenant, and the people of Israel used to carry it wherever they go, which was a type and shadow, as he said, of God with us and God, Holy Spirit, in us, that we are the temple and we carry his presence wherever we go. We all remember that, I'm sure. But see, if I even look at that Ark of the Covenant and break that down even further, that Ark of the Covenant was so big, had a, had a lid on it, had two angels that came across the top, cherubims, and the wings touched at the top. And between the wings of the cherubim is the presence of God. In the Ark of the Covenant was the law. And God will look down at the law. If we look at the sacrifice that they did once a year, they get the blood of the bull that they killed, which is a sacrifice for sin, and they'd sprinkle it on the ark. So when God's presence would look at the law, what did he see? The blood of the sacrifice. That's a type and shadow of what we have today. That when he looks at us, he doesn't see us in all of our sin and whatever. He sees the holiness of Jesus because of his shed blood. That he actually looks at us and says, he's one of mine. He is my son, my daughter. And if I look at more types and shadows, I can just see Jesus explaining some of these. Because I see this all the way through Moses and Jesus. Let's just look at compare their lives. Moses was saved, hiding in the bulrushes from a genocide of all the babies that was happening based on a Pharaoh's decree. Jesus was saved by escaping to Egypt from a genocide of all babies in Bethlehem. Moses came out of Egypt. Jesus came out of Egypt. Moses, part of the Red Sea, walked through the water. Jesus came out of the water for baptism. Where did Moses go? He went into the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. They were tested, the children of Israel and Moses. That didn't quite go too well. Jesus was tested in the wilderness and came out victorious and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Moses led him to a mountain to get the commandments. Jesus took him on a mountain and gave him the Beatitudes. Sermon on the Mount, it's called. We see there's things that happened that Moses didn't do. Actually, before I do that, Moses built a tabernacle to house the ark. Jesus was the tabernacle and the sacrifice. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. If you looked at the serpent, you were saved. Jesus was lifted up on a Roman cross so that we might be saved. We know there's some differences between Moses and Israel. Moses and Jesus. Moses would say, God said, Yahweh said, choose this day 
the Lord says, choose this day, life or death. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Jesus said, you heard it said, I say unto you, blessed are, for they shall be. Matthew 7, 26 says, but everyone who hears these words of mine. Do you know the power of God's word, of Jesus' word? Anyway, it says, everyone who heard these words of mine and does not put him into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, if you look at the Jewish mindset for a second, just those words alone, saying that his words are words of life, would be blasphemy to the Jewish mindset, unless you believed he was the Messiah. The old covenant versus the new covenant. You see, we can't just look at the New Testament. We've got to look at the whole Bible to understand it, to understand it fully. Now, I, I sat there thinking, still thinking about Cleopas, just wondering, okay, it's easy to look back and say, how could he get it so wrong? As Jesus starts to explain. But you see, we sit there and look at the New Testament and we can see of all the times that Jesus said, prophesied what was going to happen. And if you get the notes, there's, there's three in Matthew. I'll go to the third one in Matthew 10, 33. I'm sorry, Mark, I should say. Three times in Mark. Mark 10, 33. He says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they'll be condemned him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, the Romans. They will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And after three days, you're right. How, how many times do you have to tell someone? Now, we look at that from our perspective. And I don't know if Cleopas was any part of that conversation. He certainly was there at the communion where he broke bread, and I'll show you why later. He was certainly there. But because we're Hebrew today, we're Jewish, there is no New Testament. I have to go back to the Old Testament. So perhaps Jesus, as he came along, shared these verses. Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 6, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, stricken by him and afflicted. Sorry. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of it all. You know, as we continue on, the 30 pieces of silver was prophesied in Zechariah. Isaiah 50, verse 6. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. 
I did not hold my face from mocking and spitting. Psalm 31.5 Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, O Lord, my faithful God. He would have taken these scriptures and said, it's written there about the Messiah. I had to suffer. And he explained that. Psalm 41.9 even predicts, as it says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Judas Iscariot. And I'm sure he would have taken them through to Psalm 22. Oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They said, I told you that from the cross. I said that to you to point you to this scripture. I am fulfilling scripture, guys. I'm going to start in, I'll start in verse 1. My God, my God, Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I am poured out like water. All the bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce me, my hands and feet. Hundreds of years before crucifixion was even anyone's imagination of a cruel way to kill a person. It's written. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. After the whipping, he had... His bones would have been on display. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my government. Fulfillment of prophecy. And here's Jesus basically taking people who thought they knew what the Messiah was patiently, lovingly, revealing the truth. You know what, that's what the Holy Spirit does today. If we would just spend time with him, he will reveal what's happening today, what's going to happen in the future. It says so. This is how the Holy Spirit works. We give him a chance. If we go to him, rather than doing what they were doing, sitting there talking amongst themselves, how many times do we talk to this person, to that person, to that person? Until we get something that we think is right. We, we knew someone, and that's exactly what they did. They had, had a problem in their life. They go and talk to that person, to this person, to that person, to that person. So they finally got what they wanted to hear, the direction they should go. Which is the way they wanted to go. Yeah. The fact that four others said, Whoa, I keep right away from that. can't tell you how many times young people have said about their partner that they love me, but they're not a Christian. Oh, 
help it, we're in love. What's the word say? Why would you even set yourself up for a, where, where people can't unite on all levels, spiritually included? Patiently and lovingly, the Holy Spirit will lead you to truth. In verse 28 of Luke, it says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Oh, that looks familiar. Suddenly their eyes were open because they remembered what happened in the upper room when they were sitting there breaking bread and he did exactly this. He vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon, which is Cleopas' son. Then they told him what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them by the breaking of the bread. They could see his handiwork. Sometimes... We do not see God's word working in our life until we see his handprints on our circumstances. I'll say that again. Sometimes we do not see God's word working in our life until we see his handprints on, his, on our circumstances. Small group a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were sharing around one of, the, one of the sermons, I can't remember which one, but Nina made a statement, and I asked her to write it down because it was so profound. And she comes out with these really profound things, sometimes too often. <laughs> and I'm quoting Nina. Like the Pharisees who were offended in Luke 4 at Jesus' reading of the prophet Isaiah, as they didn't recognize Jesus when he said, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. I find myself thinking... I don't ever want to be standing right, to have Jesus standing right in front of me, and I miss him. Yeah. Due to preconceptions. Cleopas had a preconception of who the Messiah was, and it was blinding him to who Jesus was. He actually changed from he is the one to the prophets because it didn't fit his view of who the Messiah was. Previous experience can sometimes drive us, this is the way it worked before. Or it didn't work before, so it's not going to work this time. God doesn't work that way in my life. He might work that way in your life, but he doesn't work that way in mine. And so we limit what the Holy Spirit can do with us and through us by that previous experience or prior limited revelation. For whatever reason their eyes were kept from recognising this Jesus, the risen Lord, it could have been they were so preoccupied with their own disappointment and problems. But while they did not recognise Jesus, he recognised them. He knew them. He reached out to them. Now what is God telling you right now? What is the Holy Spirit leading you into all truth? 
Do we need to, our eyes open somewhere in our life, somewhere God is trying to get our attention? There's so much noise going on. You might not have Jesus appear for you, but when the Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. Because sometimes that missed that, oh, look, I've, I've, I know this, I've been there before. You know, when I read this passage, I was going through the fluke and just reading through, came along to this Emmaus Road, I started reading it, you know, and I can read really quickly. I, I can speed read. And so sometimes, you know, in the morning, it's done. And I did exactly that. Yeah, I know this story. Yeah, yeah, Jesus meets from the road. Yeah, bang, bang, and goes back. Right, great. And the Holy Spirit said, whoa, you need to look again. And I thought, okay. And then I started reading it. I read it slowly. And he said, who is Cleopas? I I don't know. And I said, Cleopas knew me. And he got it wrong. I go, oh. And it made me think, how many times do I get this wrong? Because of my own too fast, too much noise, too stuff going on. When he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak for himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath a mine, therefore I said that he shall take a mine and shall show it to you. You know, I take a bit of time to do that. I actually need to spend the time to actually go through it. Say, God, what are you trying to teach me? John 8, 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Where is our belief? Where is our hope? Just like those 11 disciples, they were waiting to hear from Cleopas and Simon that he is risen. He is risen. And as they said that, Jesus appeared in their midst. Wow. The Emmaus Road, the road of companionship, conversation, belief, and hope. And we need to walk it with Jesus. And God's word was the thing that Jesus used to open it up. Because all scripture is breathed out by God, the New and the Old Testament. You know, I think sometimes as New Testament Christians, we tend to focus on the New Testament, but it's the whole word of God that's important. And I'll be practical about this. Um, I was working for a company and as part of being part of a big global US company, they introduced a particular phrase into our, our employment contracts, which was a non-compete clause. Now, at the time, we all got legal advice. that no, it doesn't, doesn't matter in Australia. We've got fair work. You have a right to work wherever you like to work. That clause is not legally 
binding or, or viable in this country. So we all crossed it out. I'm going to put our initials next to it. Now, it came time I actually wanted to leave that company going to another company who happened to be a competitor. I remember talking to my boss after I put the uh, letter of resignation in. He asked me where I went, where I'm going to. I told him the company name. He said, how could you do this to your family? I'm going, oh, okay, I've been here a while, but I didn't consider you my family just yet. And so that was a Friday. On Monday, a, a legal letter, cease and desist, arrived at my door. And I thought, whoa. Now, I talked to someone who had just gone through the same thing, and they actually took him to court and got thrown out, but it was a six, six nine-month exercise. So I took this letter, and I remember that Hezekiah got a letter in the Old Testament, and he laid it before the Lord and said, this letter is not for me, it's for you. So Nina and I got down, prayed, put that letter, we literally put that letter out, and we prayed as a family. Now this went on, I was now on gardening leave, which I just had a new house, it was really great that I got gardening leave because I just worked on that house for the next month. But three days, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I had a legal letter, continuing to say cease and desist in no uncertain terms and change the wording here and there and just tell me how bad it was going to be for me if I didn't. I had a phone call that actually said, so their legal counsel of the company I'm going from, Actually, before I go there, I'll go to a previous call. They told me that I need to tell the company I'm going to that I've got this letter. So we prayed about it. So I ring the, com the per company that hired me. And we're praying about it because I'm thinking, some companies will run the other way. No, no, we're not going to hire you. I ring them up. I eventually get to their legal counsel after a couple of phone calls because uh, they kept moving me, I said, you need to talk to so-and-so, talk to so-and-so. And he said, Jeff, 100% behind you. Oh, I thought, whew. Lord. Anyway, I then get a coming call from their legal person. And he said, Jeff, this is going to take about 18 months to get to the courts. And for that entire time, you won't be able to work. Can you afford to not have any income for 18 months? You need to think about this. I suggest you cease and desist. Thanks for that. No, yeah, you know. Come back, we'll have you back. We've got a couple of good roles for you. Um, here's what the roles look like, and so they were trying to strong arm me back into their company. Put the phone down. What do we do? Put that before the Lord. The long and short of it was the day before I was supposed to start at this new company. They've actually got a legal letter telling me that I shouldn't do that. I was waiting for the, the big chop that says, on no uncertain terms, are you allowed to start working? I got a call from the CEO of that company. He said, Jeff, we know you. We know you have integrity. If you were willing to sign a letter, you'll protect all our secrets and you won't take, go to these customers, you're okay. Now, keeping their secrets, that's protected by law anyway. I wouldn't do that. 
sure, I'll sign that letter. Came through. Email wasn't that prevalent back then, which shows my age. Signed it, sent it off, I started work the next day. That whole journey, every time we put it before the Lord. Another example. I was now working with this company and I was organising a trip to Vancouver. I was there to present to their second level telco like Optus here. Um, a similar presentation I actually presented to, to Optus about how they're going to do their supply chains and new towers everywhere and how they're going to better manage that process. And they'd heard that I'd done that and so they said, could you run that same presentation over in, in, uh, in Canada? I said, sure. So I was booked a ticket and five days before 9-11 happened. So email came out from our global CEO there is under no circumstances any international travel. Uh, I said to Nina, I said, well, that's probably it. Uh, I'll have to wait till all this blows over. And people who were traveling, you know, came home and no international travel happened. And I had my ticket in front of me. And so again, we put it down before the Lord, God, if this is you, see what happens. Five days later, I was on a plane. And presentation went well while I was doing the presentations, five hours of it. Um, I had all these people just from the local company, uh, local office, coming in and out of the back of the room for, for over those five hours. I reckon there's about 15, maybe 10 people just walked in, stayed for about half hour, walked out. The Western Regional Manager of the sort of stuff I do invited me out to lunch the next day and said, Jeff, why don't you come over to Canada? and live for a couple of years. And I thought, oh no, we're just about to build a house here. How am I going to break that to Nina? She's got a whole mindset set on this house. She's seeing colours. Oh. I said, oh. So I said, oh look, I'll consider it. But by this stage, there's been about ten things in a row that I could see God's handprint all over. And I'm thinking, there's, there's God in this. And anyway, I remember ringing up Nina. And she says, I knew it. <laughs> we ended up in Canada for two years, and it was an amazing experience for us and the family. God used us in so many ways. Uh, it was just God's direction right from the get go. You know, if we, if we just listen to the Holy Spirit and how he wants to move and work through us, God can do great things through us. Are you certain of what you know about God? Jesus, the Holy Spirit. You think you know him. You're easily knocked about. There are going to be times in your life when you're knocked about and things are going to go from conflict to conflict. Maybe an unexpected loss of employment had that. God's worked marvellously. Found myself in that position twice in the last two years. 37 years of continuing employment. It's a bit of a shock. Again, go before the Father. 
Maybe you're concerned about a doctor's report or perhaps of the uncertain times we're in. There's a lot of noise. You know, I found the key to be is to be still and know that he's God, Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that he's God. Kenzie talked about supernatural peace. If you missed it, get it. Go and have a listen to it. It's beautiful. Come to Jesus. Come to his word, the Bible. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will lead you. To, in the same way that Jesus, it's like a type that I'm in there for saying, Jesus, you're one. He'll come alongside and just guide you and talk to you. And that's what the story of the Emmaus Road is. The loving heart of a heavenly father. And he left us the Holy Spirit so we can all experience this. It's not constrained by space and time. But tonight, today there's a time for a choice. You see, there is a, there's, no, there's no third choice. It's Jesus or not. The Bible talks about the sheep and the goats. There's only two. There's only people who build a house on the rock or people who build a house on the sand. There's only two choices. And if you haven't made a decision to follow him, now is the time. Come as you are. Your confusion, your doubts. Ask him the question. He's okay with questions, you know. He's okay with confusion. He actually specialises in working his way through that confusion. I asked Andy to do a really old song. So I'm, he probably thinks I'm old. I dread to think that. <laughs> well, something beautiful, something good. Oh 
so good. He wants to make something beautiful out of anything that you give him. Your confusion. If, if you never asked Jesus into your life, this is the time to do it right now. It's up to you. It's your choice. If you want to follow him, let's just pray and pray after me. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I receive your gift of salvation. I'm ready to trust you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Lord, for coming to earth, dying on the cross for my sins, and raising, being raised again. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins, and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision today, we'd love to know. Feel free to come and we've got some people who'd love to pray with you at the end at the front. Or tell someone, tell your friend you came with. It's a wonderful day. An inclusion. Back to the Moses and the Jesus comparison. Moses, at the end of his life, went up to a mountain and looked into the promised land. And he told his people in Deuteronomy 31.7, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with all the people into the land that the Lord swore to his ancestors to give them. And you must divide it amongst them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Does that sound familiar? Jesus, on another mountain, before he was taken up, at the end of his life, well, no, he was raised again, at the end of his earthly ministry, maybe I say that instead. Whew, almost had people on me. <laughs> then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.